Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Hey ladies, and welcome back to the show. I have a bonus episode for you today on this Black Friday. So I am chatting with Bonnie Gray, and we spend some time on the podcast discussing loneliness culture and how we can embrace our identity as God's beloved. And she encourages us to embrace vulnerability and expose the lives we believe that have slid into our lives, either unseen and unknown. So I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did today. Let's get on with it. Welcome to the podcast, Bonnie. I'm so excited to have you on today. I'm just so happy that I get to have a virtual cup of tea if you're a tea drinker or coffee. Absolutely. I actually really love jasmine tea. I was thinking that before this. I was like, I should have just made some tea, jasmine tea before I got on. (laughs) But it's too hot. I live in Texas. It's too hot. I can't. It's got to be iced right now. It's like feels like 98 outside right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Iced tea works. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about you and what life is like for you right now, Bunny. Well, you know, the pandemic has been really difficult because Mm -hmm. I've been contracted to write this book suite like Jasmine, Mm. finding identity in a culture of loneliness. And as you can tell from that title, I mean, I'm going to be writing about all those lonely places in my life. Mm -hmm. And to have to write it about it during a pandemic when my whole world is turned upside down, I was really scared I wouldn't be able to do it. And I think it kind of reflects all of us, you know, like life is just changed and the things that we thought were true aren't true anymore. And and so it it was really difficult, but now the book is here. I just finished Mm -hmm. it in April. And so I'm really excited to tell this story. I've been wanting to tell this story for 10 years, Mm -hmm. but I was told that um, people wouldn't want to hear my story and it just Mm -hmm. wasn't what I call cookie cutter enough. And I think that we all have that fear, like maybe this part of my life, this part about me, just, I need to just keep a lid on it. I need to like, Mm -hmm. keep it. I need to protect myself. So like, let me just look at what other people are doing. Let me see how I can fit in. Mm -hmm. How can I belong? At least that was me. That's, that's what it was like for me. So it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's also, I'm a little nervous because I believe the lies that I've grown mm-hmm. up with to say, you don't be different. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you want people to, you know, feel like you're normal, try to be normal. <laughs> Any part of you that is not quote unquote normal, just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, it's exciting to talk about this book because I know many women, it's my story, it's every woman's story, but it's also on a personal level, um, you know, first time, you know, first time to talk about it. I'm a writer. So it's easy for me to feel safe writing stories, Mm -hmm. but to talk about it, it's, it's another level of vulnerability. Yeah, for sure. And so you said that this has been like 10 years in the making, which is crazy. And I'm just so, I guess, shocked by all the no's that you received, um, in and through that. And so would you kind of back up and give us a little bit of 
just your story. Like you said, like, what were you, you know, trying to put out into the world, but were being told no about your just like upbringing and childhood? Well, I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown, and my mother is a mail order bride from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. She's a teenage mom. And my father was a busboy in a noodle shop. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I grew up in Silicon Valley, where if you go to church, everybody's like an engineer. And at church, everybody had like a mom and a dad. And my dad left when I was seven. So Mm -hmm. like, I just kind of a lot of times I was quiet. Okay. What did people do when they came back from Christmas or Thanksgiving? Okay. Well, I didn't have that kind of a family where everybody exchanged presents and, you know, it was just this wonderful, you know, type of family picture. Mm. And so when I just felt really compelled to write about it, because, you know, when I looked for books myself growing up, I looked for books where I felt like I can relate to, you know, other people. And I felt, gosh, I went through this really hard time. I want to share this story because every woman shouldn't hide who they are. And it's very lonely. It's very lonely. Mm -hmm. I had lots of friends, Emma. You know, I'm a very like positive social person, Mm -hmm. but there's a part of me that always felt lonely. Like I didn't really fit in. And, you know, having made this journey now, I know that it's because I, I hid these things about my family. Like at home, my family life was one world and I stepped outside the door Mm-hmm. And then it was another world. Like there's two Bonnies. Yeah. You know, there's the at-home Bonnie. Then there's the school Bonnie. Later when I worked, you know, I went to college. There's college Bonnie. And then there's working Bonnie. There's all these different Bonnies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there wasn't one place where all parts of me were together. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. I didn't know I was lonely. I didn't call it lonely because I thought lonely just meant, you know, you don't have friends or you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. But I realized loneliness came to me later in my thirties when I started having anxiety and panic attacks Mm. and I didn't understand why, because, you know, I, like I was sharing, I had lots of friends and I, I'm like a very loving person. I like to help others out. I'm involved in ministry and, um, I didn't understand it. So it was through this journey of mental health that I realized, Oh, loneliness is actually just hiding your voice. Loneliness is just kind of you know, going along and surviving and kind of just doing your best, but yet Mm. I wasn't really known. And so I didn't know this until later on that, that kind of loneliness actually hurts us. It hurts our heart. It hurts our bodies. Mm. And so a lot of us carry around that kind of shame. Like we're afraid to talk about if you're feeling anxious or lonely or depressed because we're afraid. Oh no, people might think my, there's something wrong with my family. Mm. Oh no, maybe something, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll think something's bad about like, you know, my parents or myself, you know, so we just kind of figure somehow to get better. Yeah. Hide it, but it doesn't. So when I was, you know, sharing about this story and it's kind of actually a mystery, Emma, I didn't get Mm -hmm. a chance to tell you this before we started recording. I actually was doing a pretty good job living this cookie cutter life. Mm. And I thought I was doing a good job because I went to college. I graduated. I didn't fall in love until my thirties. So I was single until my thirties, got married later, had Mm -hmm. kids later. And I finally had my second baby. I was almost like this. I I had this like relief, like, Oh, okay. I went through all that. Now I finally get to have my family. Mm -hmm. I think I'm looking pretty normal now. Mm -hmm. I get to, you know, start a new family, write a new story. It's almost like that old story I had really wasn't that great. And I'm just like trying to write a new story. 
And then it was in that time that I stumbled on my birth certificate. Mm. So um, my kids, well, my older kid uh, was three and I had a baby and I was like, I need to put him in preschool. Like I need a break. I was looking for his birth certificate to sign him up and I stumbled on my own. Mm. So I don't know about you, Emma, have you ever looked at your birth certificate, like really studied it? No. Yeah. Same here. Me neither. <laughs> Never. You know, I just pulled it out once to like prove my identity. It's just a document you hand to somebody, you know, I don't really right. look at it. But that morning I looked at it and I was like, you know what? That's really interesting. I was born in the same street as the hospital that I was born in. That's odd. I never went back to Chinatown, you know, because once I grew up, I, I wanted to get away from that place as far as I could. Mm-hmm. And then I looked closer and it turned out that, um, you know, I was reminded that I had a dad, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's for those maybe that have come from maybe broken families or, you know, even like a broken relationship from a boyfriend, you kind of just want to forget about that thing, <laughs> that chapter. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that moment when I saw it, I realized, you know what, my son, one day, my two boys, Josh and Caleb, they're going to ask me one day, where is grandpa? And I wouldn't be able to answer it. And then my kids are biracial. I'm Chinese American. My husband's Caucasian. He's from a lumber mill town in Washington state. And I realized they're going to ask me, when did, you know, your father or grandparents, when did we come to America? Mm. And I have no idea. It's like another part of my identity. I just kind of like try to forget about. I don't want to look into what makes me different, but I realized, you know what, that lonely feeling I had when I felt like I didn't have a story and I just wanted so desperately to write a new story. I realized my children will carry that same kind of shame. Mm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it for them. Emma, I initially did it for them. I said, okay, yeah. I need to find out who's my father. When did he leave? Why did he leave? And where is he? And so I went on this investigation And Mm. so it's kind of a mystery. Sweet like Jasmine is like a mystery. I went back and I tried to uncover all these family secrets, but inevitably as God does, it wasn't really for my children. Mm. Although they're blessed by it, it's really was for me. I had to go back into my past. And so a lot of different parts of my identity that I just kind of try to erase. Mm -hmm. No, I love you. You're, this is where you're you, Bonnie. I don't want you to blend into the background. I don't want you to just, live a life that's cookie cutter. Yeah. It hurts me. It breaks my heart that you just want to be like everybody else. But I, I mm. knew no other way, Emma. I didn't know any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. And so in, in doing the research, in going back, and I don't want to spoil it because I, I would love to read it. And I know my listeners <laughs> would love to read it as well. But, you know, in uncovering all of that, um, I know you've, you've mentioned and talked a little bit about how, um, mental health is also a part of your story. So did it kind of uncover a lot and cause you to become in an unhealthy place mentally? Well, it's interesting because I didn't go back initially to, you know, positively find out my past. Actually, I started having anxiety and panic attacks even before, but I, I didn't know they were connected. Mm. 
So what happened was like, I'm the kind of girl that was like in my twenties, I was like a really fearless person. I was a missionary, overseas missionary. I snowboard double black diamonds. Um, even when I was single, I couldn't find somebody. I was just like, Hey, well, that's okay. You know, if I'm not able to find somebody, then I'll just, maybe, maybe I was born strong. You know, I would just kind of tell mm-hmm. myself these things, you know, rather than face like, you know what? I, I really wish someone would love me the mm-hmm. way that I long to be loved. You know, I, I really feel lonely. You know, I, I, I actually cried myself to sleep sometimes because it, it would hurt my heart. I, I always felt, why is it that I'm always the lonely one? I didn't have a dad and now I don't have somebody to love me. But those are things that I would want to confess to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, you know, I just kind of kept myself. But interestingly enough, when I finally found somebody, I didn't tell anybody, Emma, because I didn't want, I was serving in church. I didn't want mm-hmm. people to think there's something wrong with me. I was scared. You know, it's almost like I wish I had some physical illness because at least then I could tell somebody, Hey, I have this condition. You know, I didn't <laughs> want people to think I had a mental health issue, mm-hmm. but when I went to um, talk to this therapist, he was the head of a hundred different therapists at a counseling center. I went to the top only because I wanted to find out like who I should see. And he was a PTSD expert. Hmm. And he said to me, oh, within a minute, he said to me, oh, Bonnie, you have PTSD because I was waking up mm-hmm. choking every two hours while I was mm-hmm. sleeping. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not worried. I already worked for 15 years. I was financially not worried about anything. By that time, mm-hmm. I was in my 30s, you know. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough that, you know, I could be a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, what? I, I've not been physically, like, I've not witnessed physical violence. I'm not a soldier. Mm. And he said, well, did you know that a soldier doesn't experience panic attacks or anxiety when he's out strong fighting on the battlefield, mm-hmm. when he's taking care of others, when he's being positive and solving problems? When does a soldier experience anxiety and panic attacks? Sleeping. When they come home. <laughs> yes. When they come home. That was the phrase. Mm. When they come home. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly like was confused. I said, but um, why? I mean, if it happened, why wouldn't it happen like earlier in my life when I was going through tough times? He says, because you're safe now. Mm-hmm. You're home. You're home. You're, you're, you're finally safe enough for your body to experience what you could not before. And I understood, mm-hmm. began to understand that our good way God made our nervous system. When you're going through a hard time, listeners, God's protecting you. You're being strong. So I realized I learned something that took away my shame, Emma. He said, Mm -hmm. it's because you've been strong. It's because you've survived. It's because you have been loving and been, you know, using your faith to overcome hard things. Now Mm -hmm. is your time to heal. So it isn't that you failed. It's the opposite. And suddenly I just like the shame just lifted off me. And then I had another question. My second question was then, (laughs) well, um, you know, I PTSD, isn't that just for physical violence? And he's like, no, did you know that (laughs) emotional abuse, verbal Mm -hmm. abuse Mm -hmm. has the same impact as physical abuse? And I did not know that, Emma. I Mm -hmm. did not know that. 
And then so suddenly I went from denial, meaning I don't have any problems, I'm good, to, oh, wow. Well, yeah. I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. All those times I told myself, it doesn't matter what somebody said about me. Um, it doesn't matter that, you know, I, you know, was feeling bad because I always tell myself, stop whining, stop complaining, just get it together, Bonnie, just get mm-hmm. it done. All those kind of critical words that I always told myself because I didn't grow up in a loving environment. Um, and some of us might've grown up in a loving environment, but somewhere along the way, maybe we picked up this notion that we need to be strong in mm-hmm. order to succeed. Mm-hmm. We need to hide how we really are doing or feeling. Otherwise, other people will reject us. You know, those kind of critical words. And as you know, we started a uh, pre-order Bible study on, not Bible study, book study of Sweet Like mm-hmm. Jasmine for some of the, um, you know, the, the, the loyal readers that I have. Yeah. We just started reading the sample chapters. And one woman said, you know, I have a, I grew up in a very loving home, but I always wondered what was so special about me. Like, one woman said, you know, her sisters or her brothers, you know, mm. they, they just had so many attention and gifts, but like, she always wondered, I, I actually feel like I'm too normal. I feel like mm. there's not much different about me. And that in itself is also, um, you know, a form of just feeling like we don't have a voice. And that is also, I learned, you know, one way of emotional neglect when we don't know how to take care of ourselves, when we don't know that what we have to say is important and we just kind of like makes our, make ourselves small. Like I want to be okay. I just don't want to be too amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason that's happened in our past. Right. Mm, that's so good. I, you know, especially love talking about where kind of that um, anxiety and panic, panic attacks were stemming from, because I think that's a big misconception about, you know, that it should be in times when you're really stressed that you're experiencing that, or, you know, you're just really anxious about a certain situation and it can often come up as, you know, it's like, that doesn't make sense for you to wake up when you're literally at rest sleeping and wake up and be, you know, in, in a, in panic mode, you know, and it's when you're finally, safe. That's so interesting. And that's, that's part of, you know, my story as well. I experienced those in, in college where I'd wake up and think I was literally dying, not being able to breathe. And, you know, it was always so interesting to me, like, how does that happen when you are dead asleep, (laughs) you know, when you're supposed to be at rest and it's how our bodies just respond to that, that trauma or that, um, you know, all those times of trying to stay strong or stay put together. Right. And so what, um, I guess maybe for my listeners that are like, yes, Emma and Bonnie, like I'm with you guys. I've either experienced that or am experiencing it. Like, how did you kind of start to overcome all of that? Well, the first thing, like I said, was actually even being aware and knowing that there's no shame in it. I think that's Mm -hmm. the first beginning because I know I ran away from it for a long time. Like I'm okay. I need to double up on being strong. Right. I need to kick myself in the butt (laughs) and get super (laughs) uh, together here. Exactly. So I use kind of like my old coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. that worked for me in the past. And so I just want to bring relief 
and freedom and a big exhale to our listeners mm-hmm. is that something that worked for us in the past, that was good. God, that was needed. God gave us the grace and the smarts <laughs> to mm-hmm. get through it with our old coping mechanism. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It's just saying now you're in a next beautiful phase. And I like to think of a flower. That's why I named it sweet, like Jasmine, mm. because, you know, Chinese tea, Jasmine tea is the most fragrant and most popular tea in China. Mm. And the reason so is good. because that those petals, the more that they get released in the warmth of the tea, the water, the more they open and that's the fragrance. Mm. And so that's the first thing is just to just let that burden roll off you is that you've done good girl. There's a new journey where God says, I don't just want your performance. I don't want you to just survive. Mm-hmm. That was good and needed. That's what the nervous system God gave us does the job, but it is not meant to hold that tension indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So you're in another phase, just like a flower. You're going to be opening up, opening up like a beautiful flower. And so now we want to be curious. That's the second thing I did once I realized that, hey, it's the opposite. Then I had to be curious. What is this new language? What is new? this new journey then? I know how to be strong, but I don't know how to be vulnerable. I don't know how to be soft. I don't know language about, um, you know, what is it that I need? What is it that I long for? Mm-hmm. Those are really hard words for me to say and ask myself, how do I really feel? What I really need? So for instance, some of the things that I wrote sweet, like Jasmine, it, every chapter explores a new way of being and actions I need to take that were like foreign language to me. And let me give you an example, mm-hmm. the power of saying no. It's a big one. I, I'm not a no girl. <laughs> I'm a yes girl. Uh huh. I'm with you. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So I do that really well. And, you know, I got really well rewarded in school, in ministry, in friendships. But gosh, it's scary. Yeah. And now because of my body, it's my body's very honest now, Emma. Mm-hmm. If I think like, oh, no, I have to say no, I literally will start trembling. Mm. My hands will get cold. And just thinking about it, my heart will start beating really, really fast. Mm. So previous to like the panic attack and healing journey, I felt nothing. Like (laughs) that's why I could say yes, 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 yes. You know, Mm -hmm. but now it's like, if, if I, something's not right in my spirit or my soul, I actually start feeling anxiety Mm. and I still fight it. I'm like, Oh gosh, I wish I could just not feel this way, but my body, it's actually being honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, there's so many things. Oh my gosh. I love this podcast. I love talking to Emma. So like, that's the second thing is what would I say? What would I do if I were to be more honest mm-hmm. than I am comfortable with? Mm. Oh, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to yeah. say that again. So listeners right now, you're standing at a fork in the road. Okay. There's something that is just stressing you out. Okay. Is it a class? Is it a job? It is a friendship. Maybe this girl just talked to you and you hung up and your your heart's just like, you know, I didn't like the way she said that to me. Okay. Or maybe you're thinking like, I need to change jobs, but I've already invested so much, you know, in this opportunity. Yeah. I I think I need to let go of it, but I don't know what, what would be next. Okay. 
I want you to ask yourself this question. What would you do? What would you want to do if you could be more honest than you're comfortable with? Mm. So this book is about these different prompts that I had to tell myself. I needed to kind of be my own friend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but with God guiding me, you know, I needed, I needed, I needed, you know, I'm a Bible study girl too, by the way. So I was like, okay, God, all this touchy feely stuff. I I actually need to see it in your word, first of all. Mm -hmm. And the second, I need to see it in my story. I need you to bring me back to those places. So this book has 28 different aspects of our true worth where I had to relearn and rewrite almost just like a little girl, like, okay, let's go back now. Let's, let's look at all these different things yeah. where I learned. So one of the things I wanted to share with you, Emma, I want to ask you too, I'm mm-hmm. going to challenge you to be vulnerable is, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> oh no, I know you're good with this. You're good. Is what is a vow you once made to yourself as a little girl? Okay. I'm going to tell a story. And as I tell this story, don't worry, it won't be too long. I want you to share with me what story surfaced on your heart. Okay. Because stories is part of the healing. That's kind of the third thing. We have to share our stories. The whole journey of having therapy and doing therapy was all about stories. There's a part of our brain, mm-hmm. Emma, that's called the amygdala. That's where our emotions are, are connected to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that we're going to feel what our emotions are. When we tell our story, whether it's journaling or verbally telling our stories, it moves that part of the trauma, emotional trauma into the hippocampus, which is the archival part of the brain. Mm. So what happens is you remember or recall something happened to you, but you won't feel it in your body. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's two different parts. So I had to learn, which I did not want to do. I have mm-hmm. to tell my story like, oh no, that's scary for me because my whole mm-hmm. life, I don't tell anybody my stories. Mm-hmm. So this Sweet Like Jasmine book, arts, I picked 28 of the key stories that I felt as I began, you know, I'm a speaker, I'm a podcast host myself. As I started telling these stories, I could see, hey, these are the stories that connect with other women that mm-hmm. we share in common. So one of them is about the vows we make. Mm. Okay. So as I tell the story, I want you to think listeners, I want you to think of what is a vow you once made to yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Emma, I'm going to ask you to share. So when I was little, I was telling my father left when I was seven Mm -hmm. and it was actually during my third grade. That's why Emma, I said, you are this bright light in many little boys and girls lives because my teacher, she loved to read stories. We always had story time. Mm. I loved Pippi Longstocking. And for that one 15 minute period, she would do the reading. I felt that all was okay in the world. I felt safe. Mm. Everything in my life was terrible. My home life. I had no father. My mother was a very toxic person, but I felt safe as she read the stories. I felt like the world could be good. Mm. And so it was during this year that after my father left when I was seven, I didn't know why one morning I just woke up and then his bags were packed and then the tires just squealed off. And my mother said, come on over here. She started cutting up photos of him, making sure to cut up every photo we had, like weeds all on the floor. Mm. But um, a few years later, I was sick and we were living below the poverty line. So we had no health insurance. Mm. And so I had my mother somehow after school one day, she dropped me off, drove me to my father's 
a restaurant, Chinese restaurant, where he was a busboy. And she said, you need to go ask him for money. Because look at you made your sister sick. She now has what you have. I had a sore throat. I had sores all over my gums and my tongue. I know now as a mother, looking back, it probably had what's called hand, foot, mouth disease. Mm-hmm. And I needed antibiotics. So um, I had no idea what I was going to ask him or what I'm going to say, Emma, when I was walking to the restaurant. And so, you know, I went in there and then the waiter pointed me, you know, where you sit waiting for your takeaway, take mm-hmm. home. Chinese food, right? Sit over here. So I sat right. there and my dad came out and he was not happy to see me. He was not happy to see me. He said, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? Do not come here. I said, I, I, I have a sore throat. I, I have to see the doctor. I need some money. And my dad said, I don't have any money. Go, go, don't come here. He's like shoving me out mm-hmm. the door. And then my mom told me, do not come back to the car unless you have the money. Mm. don't you dare come back in here I, and I, I was so terrified I didn't know what to do so yeah. I turned back to him I said no I, ma, ma, that's Chinese for mom Ama said I have to otherwise she won't let me back in the car and in that moment my dad pulled out a wad of cash from his pocket and that was the most humiliating moment in my life mm. because he just told me he didn't have money Mm-hmm. I just told him I needed it. And yet here he was peeling, you know, like $5, $1 bills. And he didn't give me a lot of money, Emma. Mm-hmm. And I remember holding that money in my hand, walking back to the car. I said, I swear, I will never ask anybody for anything ever again in my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. I said, even if I die, I would rather die literally than to ask anybody for anything. And I made a vow in that moment. That was my vow. I will not rely on anybody for anything. Mm. So, you know, this, this, this book talks about how God rewrote the script and he had, I had to unlearn that vow, but you know, we, we grow up with a lot of vows that maybe we had to take on earlier in our lives. Mm-hmm. And yet those vows, God says, Hey, I see you. I love you. You don't have to be so strong. Mm -hmm. I want you to be my beloved. I want you to walk freely. I don't want you to be hurting in pain that I see. Nobody else can see, but I see. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Emma, what was a vow you made earlier in your life? I, you know, in, in hearing your example, I'm like, I'm thinking deeper into what that could be more more as like you were saying, almost like a lie you were telling yourself growing up, you know, Um, because originally I was thinking, okay, I probably vowed that um, I would become a teacher and I vowed that I would marry um, a tall Christian man, you know, and I'm one for two on that. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what similar to years of like what, what it was that was more of a lie that I have been believing kind of thing, you know, which is, which is so interesting to hear in your story and how you've been transformed in that. Well, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way, that it was a lie. (laughs) At the time when I made it, it was like, Hey, this is truth to me. Right. So I think that's, that's actually a beautiful way to say like, you know, God is saying, 
these things that, you know, he understands us. He doesn't shame us for it. He's like very compassionate. He's like, oh my gosh, my heart is breaking. Of course you had to make that vow, Mm -hmm. whatever vows or lies we had to believe. And I think that's another thing that's kind of my hot button. I don't like it when people like sometimes in the Christian culture, um, it's, it's a really shameful message. Like, why do you believe these lies? Oh gosh, you know, girl, why are you believe these lies? You need to believe Mm -hmm. the truth. And it's not true. It's like by God's grace, he understands that at that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what we needed, you know, to understand around in this world. And God Mm -hmm. doesn't shame us. He's just saying, it's okay. That that season now is, is over. I have a new season for you and there's new blossoms. There's new beauty. There's new way of being. Um, so one thing that I did, because when I wrote the book during the pandemic, I had two boys with me, um, who were distance learning and any of Mm. those of you who have children or know friends or (laughs) sisters have children, it's really hard when you're trying to help kids distance learn. And, you know, it's pretty chaotic. So Mm -hmm. I decided, you know, however, God, you want me to write it to be as honest as I can. I'm just going to put it in this book. I couldn't write it like the way I used to write, like for my two other books, very Mm -hmm. organized and here are the anecdotes, here are the principles, blah, blah, blah. No, it's a story. (laughs) So what emerged was a story. So I wrote myself a letter. This is what I did. This is something, a practice that I did, Emma, Mm -hmm. when I was going through healing from anxiety and panic attacks, I wrote a letter to myself every day. Mm. And it could be very short. I wrote it in the evening because I'm not a morning person. So <laughs> I kind of come alive at night. Mm-hmm. I'm a night owl. Yeah. So I would, I love journals. I, I, I love journals. And um, studies show that just 10 minutes of journaling how you feel or what happened to you, just 10 minutes will lower anxiety and depression and it will increase serotonin and dopamine. Mm-hmm. Something about the act, like I was explaining to you, it moves the feeling part of our brain into the analytical part when you write. Mm-hmm. And so it releases. And this is not just a touchy feely thing, but it's scientifically proven. So I started writing a letter to um, two letters. One is to myself. I'll say, dear Bonnie, mm-hmm. and I'll just tell myself something. Or the other is dear Jesus. Mm-hmm. So depending on my mood, I would say, dear Bonnie, or I would say, dear Jesus. And this is what God said to me when I was looking through and thinking about this vow. And I'd like to read this um, to encourage our listeners. Mm -hmm. Beloved, you can't embrace how you are beloved when you follow someone else's path. Mm -hmm. You are worthy to live your own version of a beautiful life. So don't give up on yourself. God is not giving up on you. You only see walls of impossibility, but God is planning something, something just for you when you Mm -hmm. put your trust in him. You're waiting for things to fit into your plans, but God is wanting to change your life, change you so that his plan unfolds in ways that you cannot see. And so I just want to encourage you that Maybe you're waiting for things to change, but maybe what God's waiting for is for you to be willing to take a new step, to be more of who you are, to be a little more honest about what you want or what you Mm -hmm. don't want, Mm -hmm. and then to make a little change in those areas. And all these little changes are going to bring you health and wellness. Um, Now, obviously there are things I had to do for my um, actual anxiety, but the soul and starting with your stories helps us to recognize you know what? I'm too hard on myself. Mm-hmm. I need to be gentle. I need to be more gentle with myself. And then we start being more curious. Okay. 
you know what, if I were to take better care of myself and to prioritize how I'm feeling, what, what are some of the things that I would, I think I, I want to do mm-hmm. and what are the things I need to stop doing? And then we share a conversation with other friends. So when we share with other friends, you know, sometimes we say like, for instance, I would say in the past, like, you know what, I'm not getting enough exercise. I think I need to exercise more. And Mm -hmm. the conversation becomes about exercise. But then if I were to start off by sharing my story, Mm -hmm. for instance, I might say like, you know what, it's really hard for me to like make time for myself. I mean, I, I, I usually say yes to most other people, but it seems hard. Mm -hmm. So I don't like know. having I, I, to dig deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So share your story. And so that brings connection to our friends. Right. You and know what I mean? Rather just the talk about root the root of it. Yeah. 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 Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for just encouraging us in that, Bonnie. And yeah, being able to um, ask yourself questions about, you know, what's, what God is doing in you and what he has for you, because it doesn't look like everybody else. And yes. so that's really important, I think, for sure. Yes, yes. And especially you know, I'm excited. For, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Especially for for my listeners, you know, and and trying to figure out how to navigate just life in general. You know, coming from maybe going into school or coming out of school and navigating 20s is a lot of change, um, a lot of decisions to be made, like we talked about earlier, and so learning how to discern that and, and ask for God's wisdom in that is, is challenging for sure. Yeah. I think sometimes we will lean on the problem solving part of our brain, which is set up a pro and con list. Mm. Okay. To make decisions, but you know how that works, right? It's like a game basically yeah. <laughs> ends up being even you're like, right. Oh my God, like, now well, I'm even, now I'm even more confused, you know, like now I'm picking oh no. the pros of the pros and the cons of the cons. <laughs> Yeah, it gets more confusing. Then you're like, there's a depression that sets in an anxiety because what it is, is not so much about decision-making. It's, it's, you're feeling lost. Mm-hmm. You, you lose your voice. You're like, oh my God, I, I don't even know what it is that I think anymore. And that is a sense of anxiety. Anxiety sure. is when you feel a sense of losing your voice and you don't have a standing about how you really feel or think. Now, um, one thing I wanted to share because I was really excited to talk to um, the listeners in your 20s yeah. is that I'm, I'm perpetually in my 20s, even though I'm older <laughs> now, my, my, my soul age is in my 20s. And I believe this is that. A, yeah. And I wanted to share one of the things that like stressed me out the most I talked about in my 20s is like not knowing if I was going to be single or married. Mm. So I wanted to share an excerpt from this book because I didn't meet anybody even when I hit thirties. And I was like, my friends, most of my friends already got married and started having kids in their Mm twenties. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe I have the gift of singleness. Maybe because I haven't, I haven't fallen in love and I'm like, I'm not hiding myself. I mean, I have lots of friends. I just didn't meet anybody that, you know, um, I was falling in love with. Mm -hmm. And my friends that all got married kept saying I was picky and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I need to stop being so picky and, uh, love is a choice. And I was mm. like, well, then I could just pick anybody then. Right. I mean, I just can't believe. And because I didn't have a father growing up, I, I doubted myself. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe I don't know what love is. Cause I didn't grow up with two parents. Like, I, you know, I started doubting myself, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I cannot force myself to make this concession. I said, I'll, I have to believe that there's somebody for me. That's yeah. kind of the romantic inside me. So mm-hmm. I finally in my thirties found Eric. 
And mm. this is an excerpt where um, my mother, the secret is that my mother never wanted me to spend any holiday other than with her. Mm. That was kind of a family code, a value that you, you spend your holidays with family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Otherwise, then you're disrespecting, you're not honoring your mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a bunch of us in our 30 singles ministry group wanted to go ride roller coasters for July 4th. So here's the excerpt. And don't mm-hmm. worry. Don't worry, Emma. It's not super long. <laughs> okay. Ama is the Chinese word for mom. Ama, this is just a simple, fun weekend to go ride roller coasters. I haven't dated anyone since college. I'm 31 years old, Ama. Maybe you're right. It won't last. But I like Eric. I don't know if if I don't try. I've taken care of you my whole life. Why can't you be happy for me? I started crying because I was more scared than anything. Scared that I said it so bluntly. Scared because I'd never spoken to my mother this way. Mm. How stupid can you be? Ama said. A man comes along and pays you a little attention and and you think that makes you special? She Mm. scoffed. You've forgotten who you are. You're Bonnie Lee. You're my daughter. You belong to me. Ama screamed it at the top of her lungs, her eyes wild with rage, wailing with all her might, like she was blowing the air out of her lungs, her face turning purple, her Mm. hands balled up in a fist. If I thought I was scared before, I was beyond terrified now. I felt as if I was teleported into another dimension in a horror movie. I thought she would storm out and I'd hear her grab her car keys and slam the front door as she often did, leaving me behind as a little girl. Instead, mm. Ahmad tore out, thundering into the kitchen. I heard drawers opening and slamming shut. And the next thing I knew, she flew back into the room with a glint of steel, brandishing a large pair of scissors in mm. her hand. She shoved my sliding closet doors open, violently yanking the clothes off the hangers. She was shaking as she pulled apart my clothes by the neck openings to tear them up, simultaneously haphazardly cutting up my clothes running the blade of the shears against my clothes with one hand and tugging at them like she was strangling the life out of them. Everything Mm. you have, everything you are is because of me. If Mm. it weren't for me, it would be no you. She screamed it as she clawed at my desk, clutching whatever she could get out of her hands, ejecting my books, notebooks, knickknacks, swiping everything off, throwing them all over my room in a confetti of fury. I stood there paralyzed, choking in my tears, afraid to move or breathe. Mm. Confusion engulfed me. How could something so simple become so wrong? And a thought hit me like a siren. Something is really, really wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that was like the climax of that for you, I'm sure, in your relationship with her. Yeah. And I think listeners, if, if you are in a toxic relationship, I don't know what that might look like for you and who that might be. I want you to know that you're worthy of being loved. Mm. You're worthy of being valued and you do not deserve any kind of emotional, verbal, physical abuse. Mm-hmm. I know as women of faith, we don't talk about it, but I'm telling you because I was a full grown woman of faith woman right. in Bible studies and I was so scared mm-hmm. and I want, you to know, there's no shame in it. 
because you're human. And I just want to empower you, empower you that your voice is important. And, um, you know, of course, I want our listeners to pick up a copy of my book, Sweet Like Jasmine, to find out what's happening on this cliffhanger here. Mm -hmm. But I do not want to leave you on an emotional cliffhanger. So Mm -hmm. I want to read to you the letter I wrote to myself that night. Mm -hmm. Listeners, this is for you. Beloved, you will have to make a very hard decision one day to choose peace over fear. You will have to keep choosing to believe, sisters, that you are worthy of that peace. Mm -hmm. You will have to leave, whether it's your job, a relationship. I don't know what it is, but you have given your all to stay, but God says it's time for you to leave. Peace isn't freedom from conflict. Peace is trusting God enough to make the right choice in the midst of conflict, Choosing peace will mean you will need to let go of something or Mm -hmm. someone you've held on to in order to take the hand of God who promises to lead you beside quiet waters. There's something beautiful ahead for you, friend. You need to count the cost and set your face like flint to leave what isn't healthy because continue to stay with someone or something that is causing you to hide your heart is toxic to your Mm well-being and it's hurting your heart and it's breaking the heart of God. Mm. So to choose peace, you will need to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. There will come a time for this honesty. And that honesty is now. Thank you so much, Bonnie. That was just so encouraging. All that you have shared with us today. And I'm so thankful for your story and how you are sharing it with the world. I'm so happy to awesome. be here. I want to share that I have... Later, when you feel like it's time, I want to share a mm-hmm. resource that I used for my mental health wellness that I'm oh, giving awesome. as a gift, a gift for everyone who pre-orders Sweet Like Jasmine. It's a journal. It's a guided mm-hmm. journal called Stories of Faith. Cool. There's 28 prompts for you to share your stories um, just for your own health and wellness. It's an intimate conversation you can have with God. Mm-hmm. And um, it has a Bible verse on each page, as well as an inspiring quote and a very, very interesting prompt. This is not your like Bible study prompts. Okay. It's like, right. for instance, what is one time where you said yes, but maybe you should have said no, mm-hmm. you know, just interesting things like that, where, you know, God say, you know, these are important to me, these moments in your life. And as you share these stories, if you are the kind of bookworm girl like me, you can read this book together share your stories with each mm-hmm. other as you're, you know, journaling, obviously read excerpts that you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. and you will find a health and wellness and a freedom that you've never, ever experienced before. I say that from my own experience and you'll mm-hmm. find what I did. I was surprised. Actually, people did not run away from me. Mm-hmm. That was my fear my whole life. Mm-hmm. That people found this out about me, but in fact, no, people drew closer to me. Yeah. I and then I that. realized I wasn't alone. And so we're just all walking each other home. You know, when that doctor mm. said, well, you're experiencing these anxieties because you're home. And I realized, you know what? We're walking each other home. That's really what we're doing, sisters. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And we'll get your book and all those resources in the show notes for my listeners. So thank yes, you so much. At sweetlikejasmine.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you so much, Bonnie. You're so awesome. 
You guys, I am so thankful for the time that I got to spend with Bonnie Gray today. Her gentleness and humility are just so radiant, and I pray that the Holy Spirit has used her time on the podcast to expose lies and illuminate the truth that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then you are God's beloved. So I hope you can take some time today or this week to reflect on the moments in your own story that have impacted your life. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend and stay fresh, my people.